0: Welcome to the Design Imposter podcast, where we unravel the enigmatic realm of imposter syndrome. My name's Monique Jenkins. And I'm Jessica Vallis.
1: We're two agency owners who've boldly faced the reality of imposter syndrome. We'll share relatable stories
0: and practical insights that empower designers and business owners just like you. Together, we'll help you conquer self-doubt and unleash your true potential. Get ready to unveil your true
1: brilliance. Welcome to Design Imposter. Hello, and welcome to episode five of the Design Imposter podcast. I'm Jessica Vallis, and today we are talking about AI. Originally, when we started this podcast, we were going to start by talking about all the necessities of starting a business, like contracts and proposals and finding that first client, which we already did discuss. But AI is so relevant that I don't think we can afford to ignore it.
0: Yeah, I went to a conference this weekend called BattyCon in New York, and a lot of the panel discussions were on AI and how it can solve the problems that we currently experience or how AI can exacerbate uh, the issues that we currently have going on in the world. So it was really exciting to hear how people are thinking about how AI can contribute to practical applications that we get to use every day. There are
1: many people who have not started using AI, so today I wanted to share my top three AI must-haves, what they do, and why they use them.
0: Uh, Before we get started, I think that we should define what AI means uh, in the context that we're using it.
1: AI stands for artificial intelligence, and they are essentially chatbots that generate content for you.
0: I would say that my top three AIs right now are Chat, GPT, Motion, and QuillBot, uh, which I'm not sure per se is actually an AI, uh, but I use it as one, and I love that program. But let me not jump the gun on Jessica's list. Yeah, we can talk about Motion. We can add
1: that so we can be like our top four instead of top three. First, we're going to start with the AI bot that's kind of started it all, which is Chat, GPT. For those who aren't familiar, it is a chat bot. You feed it prompts and it produces content based on those prompts. It knows how to respond because for years it's been fed all sorts of information like books, articles, websites from every industry on every topic imaginable. And this endless database of information you can control by giving it prompts and encouraging it on which direction it should Take the conversation.
0: Yeah, I'm obsessed with Chat GPT uh, because, for one, I'm not really a great writer. I like to use that application to refine my writing so that it feels like it comes together a little bit more than it normally does when it's just me writing by myself. Uh, today is my mom's birthday, so shout out to my mama. Uh, but I used ChatGPT uh, to rewrite the birthday post that I was writing to her on Facebook because, you know, I take special care in the things that I do for her. So I was like, okay, Monique, this sounds sucky. Let me put it in ChatGPT real quick so I can make sure that it all comes together the way that I wanted to. Uh but I will say that it removes a little bit of the personality and like discourse that I think that we have with each other. So I had to take it back out and kind of refine it a bit more uh to make sure that it was both like loving and humorous in the ways that I want to engage with my mother. Um so uh I love Chat GPT uh because it just helps me in ways that I don't think that I normally would. And I think it forces me to write content that I don't think that I ever would. So I Conceptually, ideas. I have ideas all day about topics that I want to write, but structuring the time to sit down and actually write articles is a bit hard for me.
1: I started using ChatGPT right at its release. It was released on November 30th, but I started using it in December 2022 for website copy, and it's been an absolute game changer for me. We were driving to Ohio. I say we, my family. We were driving to Ohio to visit my parents. And as I was sitting in the six-hour car drive, I was going through my old blog posts, um, which were poorly written, or I just had too much of my voice and not enough information to go behind it. So I was feeding it prompts like, rewrite this article for someone who thinks SEO is a scam. They've been in the business for a while. They consider themselves tech-savvy. Tell them what aspects of SEO are absolutely necessary and what they can do themselves and what they should offload. And then I would add other specifications like include three external links, make me a catchy title. And then you would sit back and watch the chatbot generate a new version of the article that you told it to write, which is awesome and amazing. Yeah, that's really
0: cool. I didn't know that it could... Uh, pull external links for like an article or something like that. I don't use it in that way. So that's super interesting and I'll have to start using it in that way. Yeah, if
1: you go online and just say you want to steal an idea, uh, you can grab the Mm -hmm. link, post it in and say, rewrite this article. And it'll take it. So it'll take the article based on the link and then rewrite it, which is totally – We'll talk about the ethics of it in a
0: little bit, but is it plagiarism? Is it inspiration? We'll, we'll figure that out. You're designers. There's no such thing as plagiarism, guys. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So uh, back to uh, ChatGPT, I help. I use it to help me outline articles that I want to write, like I was saying. So if I like have a topic or ideas, I usually take notes in my phone um, and just write out a list of articles that I think would be important or incredible for other people to read or provide additional context on a subject and I usually take that uh, idea and put it into chat GPT and then I will um, go through and kind of modify it so that it's a better representation of like my tone and voice and how I write. Um, so what are, what do you think are some of the pros and cons of using chat GPT?
1: The first pro I would say is it saves you time because you don't have to physically sit down and write that 700 word article from scratch. Like you were saying, you have a lot of ideas and you just don't necessarily have time to explore those. But this AI bot has been fed all this information and can take those ideas and craft the perfect article. And the more details you give the bot the better the article will be. If you're very generic with your request, then it's going to give you a very generic response, which is a con. Um, Because once you get familiar with the program, you can see where it gets very repetitive and robotic. Opening paragraphs for some reason always start with the same saying. It'll always start with something similar to, in the rapidly evolving world of marketing, it's essential to. And I mean, it's like every single article starts out that way. It's nobody talks like that. I would never start articles like that. So I always have to read through and edit the articles before publishing. So yes, it's saving you time from writing the article, but you still have to go back and edit.
0: Yeah, I think that as AI kind of continues to evolve, that will become a little bit more freeform. It is a very structured approach to like how people write. I don't like the it gives you like an intro and a conclusion. I would never say intro and conclusion. So I don't put, I usually take those things out of my writing because like, that's not how I engage, even though I understand like structurally people can read in that way. I just, um, it's not my thing. Um, But I also think as it becomes less repetitive and robotic, it will become more dangerous because then I think you'll be, you won't be able to distinguish between you know, what an actual person is writing versus what a robot is writing. Not that, you know, everyone necessarily cares, but I think in the context of an educational environment, it would become harder for a professor to understand what a student is doing and how conceptually they understand the ideas versus them putting something together using chat GPT uh, in order to make it yeah, happen. Yeah, there's
1: schools already trying to put together like code of ethics with using the AI. And I think something came out like a couple of weeks ago that the bot passed the bar exam. So it's like, you know, where, where's the line there? Um, but talking about how it's repetitive and robotic, um, another pro and con, uh, a pro is that you can have the content written with SEO in mind and tell it to include certain keywords. So I might tell it to write this article with the keywords uh, websites for financial advisors, and it will use the appropriate jargon for financial uh, financial advisors. However, the keywords are forced. You will see websites for financial advisors all through the article, which is called keyword stuffing and it actually negatively impacts your SEO score. So you think that oh I've got this keyword in here, the more I use it the more that Google recognizes me as an authority, but actually when you're not using it organically in a conversational tone, Google picks up on that and knows that, you know, you're probably not legit.
0: Hmm, that's interesting. I know less about SEO than anybody else in the entirety of the world, uh, but I do feel like I've interacted with content that felt like there were words that were used repetitively and it wasn't necessary. Um, I didn't know that that was done as a result of affecting your SEO, but it just felt weird as a reader to ingest that information or to read through an article with the like same word repetitively place kind of throughout the rest of the content. Yeah.
1: And even before ChatGPT, I was using some other services for content writing and I would tell them, you know, these are the keywords and they just did not fit in naturally with the content. It was just very forced and stuffed. Um, another pro about using this program is that it's not just for blog posts. As Monique kind of mentioned, she used it for social media, Uh, But you can use this for personal things as well. Um, I've been getting really involved with politics on the local level, and I will write very heated, unprofessional emails, and I'll just be in the heat of the moment and tell it to rewrite this politically and professionally, emphasize the urgency of the issue without offending anybody. But again, the con is that it gets way too formal and uses phrases that I would personally never use. It doesn't sound like my voice. And I do have to go back and edit again. Um, I also like to use it for LinkedIn. I'll feed it a prompt and say, rewrite this post five ways, include a list of five bullets, ask a question at the beginning and provide a challenge at the end. And again, it can start to sound repetitive. So you definitely wouldn't schedule these back to back.
0: Yeah, I really like the idea of using uh, that platform to rewrite heated emails, because I feel like that's a almost everyday occurrence for everyone, sp- specifically because we have all been online and engaging with each other back and forth in emails. But I just think that's hilarious because there's like this Instagram post that's going around and it's like, how do you say screw you to your coworkers without saying the word screw you? And then someone like tells you the more professional way to say it. I just say per screw Per my you. last email. Um, but... <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I'm like, man, fuck you. Uh, We have to change the rating on the. We
1: have to change the rating of the podcast now. (laughs) Explicit language. (laughs) (laughs)
0: sorry kids uh i'm here for a a good time not a long time sorry um but i i do like the idea of being able to use that as a centering point for your argument without having to be as explicit as i probably would be um and then that way hopefully it doesn't it means that you don't have to go back and forth if you both are using chat gpt to have a, a argument online i think that that would be hilarious and if they gamified it and just allowed two people to go head to head i would totally sign up to be a part of that where you could just like both of the co-workers go into chat gpt and they're like i hate you and it says like something kind and the other person's like i hate you too and it says something else that would be <laughs> That's what you need AI for. I, so with my politics and everything, I, there's a team of people
1: in the community and we're all working for the November election and I'll write this heated post and then I send them the original and i will be like, but look what AI did. Look at how much better this sounds. Look at how professional it sounds. <laughs> like, how can I lose an election when I talk like this? <laughs> and they're like, I like the original where you used a curse word. I'm like, no, I can't do that. <laughs> I can't do that,
0: (laughs) but those are my
1: kind of, but speak, this kind of relates to my second favorite tool, which is Quillbot. And Monique, you use this one. So first tell us who referred you to it. It was me. And how do you use it?
0: Uh, Yeah. Jessica refers me to all of the AI platforms uh, because I don't know anything about any of them. And. Just now that I'm using them, I'm starting to get like promotional ads for new ones, but they all seem to correlate back to Chat GPT, so you know it's all the same. But um, Quillbot is an online writing platform uh, with a bunch of tools aimed at elevating and perfecting your writing, so unlike Chat GPT. PT, um, you are not giving it a prompt and it's giving you a response back to that prompt. You're using your own words and it's helping you to refine the words that you use. And you can do it in a bunch of different tones and voice, whether you want to do it academically or socially, or you want to change the fluency of how you are talking. Uh, it does all of that for you. Um, and I really, really love it. Cause I make, it makes me feel it makes my writing feel a little bit more humanistic. And there are elements in there that I, in words in there that I incorporate in my own writing outside of the platform. So I really, really love it. You shared a video with me. I had, I had just
1: told you about Quillbot. You were in a meeting and you did a video selfie where you had, you showed you and you're like all cocky and confident. And then you scroll, you move... the screen and you've got Quillbot up with the perfect writing. You've inserted it into your group chat with your team. And they're like, oh my gosh, Monique, I love the way you phrase this. Let's go with that one. (laughs) And then you like, you pan back to
0: yourself and smile again. And (laughs) you're you're so smart. It's your secret weapon. We hire you sooner. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I use... I will say I use ChatGPT a little bit more right now, but I think I want to revert back to using uh, QuillBot because I do think that it's a little bit more humanistic. And I think the user experience designer in me loves that side a little bit more. Um, Although I guess you could use these in tangent with each other um, in order to come up with like the perfect side of both worlds. Yeah,
1: I generally will start with a concept in ChatGPT take it over to QuillBot, have that because we talked about the repetitive nature of ChatGPT. So I'll put it in a QuillBot, which takes that repetitiveness out of it, makes it feel a little bit more human. And then after that, <laughs> there's a third step for me. I put it in Grammarly and that's where I really go through line by line. And Grammarly will highlight everything that like you need to rephrase this whole thing. Like you could shorten this and make it say this, or nobody talks like this. And then you can have it give you a score based on how professional or formal. So I do three steps. um, And I think the articles sound a lot more professional, but they also retain my voice when I do them. And I would rather, I guess I'd rather have AI write my material for me instead of me doing research and then having to go back and do a million rewrites because that's the perfectionist in me. So this kind of does help me to offload a little bit.
0: I need to think about Grammarly as like an AI tool and platform, but I use Grammarly like it's nobody's business. Let me tell you something. I have the grammar of a first grader kindergarten. I'm gonna give myself kindergarten. I got the grammar of a kindergarten. Like I just don't do it y'all. I don't, I'm not a part of it. It's not correct. Um, and that's sad to say uh, because I think my kindergarten teacher would be very disappointed with her <laughs> uh, <my writing laughs> Does she remember out. you? Oh Monique. <laughs> Look at how you turned yeah, out. Probably. She she probably did because my sister was a nightmare uh, after so I was a good kid. The other um, but I
1: was going mean, to say the other thing about uh, Quillbot is that and Grammarly is that you can what are they make like chrome applications or extensions? Yes. And so when yes. I'm inserting client content into a website um, it'll actually flag when my the client provided content has spelling errors and then I send it back to them or I just yeah. correct it without telling them uh, because it does have both of our names yes. on it so um, yeah. yeah it'll it'll go back and be like uh, is this what you sh- you're sure you want to say? So it's really nice when you're typing an email out you can use it when you're on a website live when you're doing a social media post. It'll pop up when you want it to.
0: Yeah. I'm sure ChatGPT um, is probably going to come up with something soon. I think there's a I lot of them, similar.
1: but I really just have not. There's so many right now. I just have not had the opportunity yeah. to go through all of them. So I'm just working with what I know right now. And, yeah. you know, when somebody recommends something else to me, then I guess I'll go for it. Um My third favorite AI tool right now is Taplio. It's a social media post generator for LinkedIn and Twitter. And the more you interact with this social media platform, the more it understands your style and who you're writing for. Um, So if I'm, I've mentioned this so many times, financial advisors, that's my audience. So I interact with advisors on LinkedIn. This bot recognizes that and then it gives me suggestions on posts and it'll incorporate financial phrases or it'll talk about those things. So again, I'm not necessarily thinking about all the posts. It's coming up with content before I just click and approve it. Of course, I'm going to go through and edit. Um, but it does look at your trending posts across LinkedIn Uh, well, yours and other people's. So if there's a top post, it'll tell you, Hmm. you know, this is trending right now. Do you want to write something similar? You click rewrite and it will not allow you to repost it until you've used your own original voice. So there's a level of plagiarism that it does not let you post, which is awesome. Um, It also provides post inspiration. It does use chat GPT, but it allows you to schedule it. So it's eliminating a step. Um, you can mm-hmm. queue up your posts days, weeks, months ahead of time. You can review industry news and leave your own comments. And like I said, it make sure you're not plagiarizing anybody else uh, who has 500 comments because that's not going to fly. Um, so that's that's been my go-to for social media and queuing things up when I don't have the time to sit
0: down and do it myself. Yeah as everyone knows about me, I don't use social media. Um, I never post, uh, so this is probably not my application or it is because it could get me into the place where I need to be with social media. Um, but until they integrate, uh, probably like Snapchat and Instagram, I'm out. Uh, but it seems interesting and probably could help me do some of the things that I have been avoiding when it comes to social media. I mean, I'm skeptical. I mean, I
1: can sit down with Taplio open for an hour and I could probably have a month's worth of social media posts up if I wanted to, Um, but I'll be upfront. It's not cheap. I think a year subscription is about $660, but considering how much I enjoy LinkedIn, how it's saving me from hiring a social media manager who's probably using AI at this point, I feel like it's saving me money, and I can still have my hand in it to keep the personalization.
0: Yeah, I'm not giving them people $660. Okay. Uh, it is certainly an investment in you. <laughs> Sorry, guys. It's not my <laughs> it's not my thing. Hit me with a beta test or something. That's free. Um, I, I could see how it could help you and eliminate the necessity to hire someone else, um, but I just – Yeah, again, social media, not my thing. Sorry, y'all. All
1: All right. Monique, as you've been online reading articles and stories, have you been able to distinguish if something is AI or a person? And does that matter to you?
0: Uh, I don't think that I've been looking for it, but I also don't think it matters to me. I think if I'm reading an article and I'm at least getting the important information that I need, I don't care who wrote it. Um, I think that, like you were saying earlier, it can become a little boilerplate, so maybe you don't get as excited to read some of the things that you normally would read, but um, as long as it gives me the highlights, I think that I'm good to go. Um, I don't necessarily need an article to be 5,000 words if it can happen in 700 words with, an, with the use of an AI, um, but I still think that you have to be a subject matter expert in order to properly articulate with the AI platform that you're using, what exactly you're trying, the intent of this article is and what you're trying to do.
1: Yeah. an AI won't promote you personally. It's just writing something kind of generic. Anybody could take it. We could have the same article written or one article written. I could apply it on my website. You could apply it on yours and nobody would be able to distinguish whose voice it is. So um, you have to find ways to make it your own and to personalize it. I like to do this on my blog post by linking to my own work, setting examples, uh, things that I find online, things that AI is not going to capture. Um, And then, again, another opportunity to insert my own voice. Uh, I think you'll see a lot of these informational posts online and notice that there isn't a personal story or funny comments in there. And therefore, you know someone is overusing the system and it isn't genuine. And I think, especially when you're on places like LinkedIn and it's a longer form article, that's all they post, it's just too much. And you know it's not them.
0: Yeah. What do you think the, uh, AI is super captivating, but what do you think um, the the role that designers will play in the future? So like if clients are able to do- clearly articulate what they want, their desires through AI, it raises the question that, you know, what role do designers play in the future? Because after all, a significant part of our work and the design process is about understanding and discerning what a client wants, what they need, and what they can do without, regardless of what they think. Um, So you think AI could potentially refine these skills to the point where it would become more proficient than a designer? It's every futuristic, apocalyptic scene out
1: there. Machines taking over the roles of humans and making us obsolete and move underground. And then we've got to plug into the Matrix. No, uh, seriously, I've seen a lot of photo AI out there and they have, the reason, the way you can tell is that the hands are always botched. There's always a good indication hands aren't placed naturally. There's an extra finger. The skin is way too smooth on like somebody's face. And I'm sure these features will change over time. But I also think down the long run, it'll help eliminate repetitive stock photography. I've used an image of a woman conducting a business meeting. And then a month later, I see it on a billboard with the same woman in the same pose and a woman being used on social media and on websites. It's the same person from the same stock library. And I think AI will be able to create something unique Um, And I think it'll also fill in on photography that we're missing. I have an investment client that works with people in their 50s and 60s, but do you know how hard it is to find a married couple in their 60s where the woman does not have gray hair? It's like the world and AI or people, photographers don't, they like to pretend that women don't dye their hair. You say 50s, 60s, they automatically jump to grandma. But let me tell you, my kids' grandmas both dye their hair. So stop generating these older women or gray-haireds. I think that kind of falls into a stereotype a little bit. And I think with the direction of AI, we'll be able to get the photos and content we want without having to have an expensive photo shoot or something. Yeah,
0: that's super interesting. Uh, I didn't think about it like that. I have mixed feelings, though. Uh, One is I think if we can generate amazing photography through ai it removes the necessity to be inclusive of people uh because like instead of hiring someone who is an older grandma i could say hey take this picture of this woman show it to me in 50 different contexts and i don't have to pay that person i'm just using that ai to generate things in the way that i want it to i think it's super cool in the aspect that like we all don't have to use the same type of imagery across a multitude of um platforms in order to like articulate this uh, idea in wildly different contexts. But I also think that, you know, it could potentially be a space where we don't give an opportunity uh, for photographers to get the rise that they need to, because they're actually taking the photography or um, for people who are underrepresented by age or race or whatever the case is to have uh, their imagery out there in a way where they are accurately being paid for their work. And I think that's maybe one of the potential downfalls of, of where AI is going to go.
1: Uh, with all this talk of bad AI uh, and how it can make our jobs better or worse, uh, be aware of a lot of paid AI out there. I tried one program last week that was supposed to naturally incorporate my SEO keywords into blog posts. I bought credits um, and found out that it used Chat GPT. Um, and then the articles I got back were horrible. Um, like when I got them back, I was like, I could have just provided these prompts to ChatGPT without paying $50 for eight articles when you know this promised to make things easier. Essentially, like I gave it eight keywords, and instead of incorporating these keywords into one article or eight articles, it wrote one article per keyword and then didn't even incorporate my niche or anything else. It was just very generic and I was really disappointed. I don't think I can get a refund,
0: um, but whatever. You, you try, you live and you learn. For me, I think my main concern with AI is it, isn't it necessarily centered around like the production, but rather who's behind the creation. Uh, when people are of color are excluded from coding and testing and implementation. I think the result of technology often fails to be representative of all voices and it tends to perpetuate a single narrative, uh, which is what could seriously undermine AI for me. Uh, When I think about bad AI that has happened already, I think about Tesla and their vehicles having the potential to hit people who are of darker complexions because they don't have any engineers on their team Uh, who they tested with. So insufficient testing, same thing with like soap dispensers or paper towel dispensers. Like they failed to detect the darker pigmentation on my hands as that of my like white counterparts. And I think that that is going to become dangerous because we already know that there aren't as many minority uh, coders out there who are contributing to uh, code around this type of technology. And I think that this will continue to be dangerous Um, so I have some mixed feelings about AI. It does have the potential to be transformative. And I see that, um, but without proper consideration for inclusivity, uh, and diverse perspectives, I think it will also exacerbate racial issues that we already have in the United States. So there needs to be a balancing act. I don't know where that balancing act kind of comes in or like how we deal with those things. But one of the themes that I heard at the conference that I went to on Friday, was mainly around this idea that because we don't have as many African American or minority in general, because you know af- minority doesn't just mean African American, because we don't have as many minority uh, contributors to this space, it means that the applications that are being built don't have our best interests at heart, and that means you know we're going to be facing more issues when it comes to AI and how we are being represented in those spaces.
1: When I was in college, I took this course called intercultural communication. And it was all about examining things from a different perspective. So um, one of the examples was like back in maybe it was like the early 2000s. McDonald's did this um, flags around the world. And they put, what was it, like Saudi Arabia's flag on there. And it's got, you know, a, a religious word in there. And therefore, you could not throw out the cup. Like, if you were Islamic, because it had that religious oh. word incorporated into it. Um, and then I had this one client, she was a photographer, and she just found this stock frame that she wanted to use. And it was a picture of a really pretty room, and there was a very decorative frame. And I looked at it and I said, Do you know what this frame says? Because I think it might be Arabic, and I can't, I don't know what it says. And she's like, Well, I just thought it looked really pretty. Um, and I, but I don't know what it says. And I was like, "Well, I don't feel comfortable posting this." Can you go find a different stock mock-up image? And she did. But I think, regardless of AI, you still have to be culturally aware and sensitive. And when something doesn't feel right, it might not be right. Or to get second opinions from people who are not of your ethnicity or demographic.
0: Yeah. I think that's true. But I think that because we so often see that that doesn't happen or is not being done in bigger companies. Cause like Tesla, Tesla is a huge freaking company. Like not one person thought to themselves like, Hey, you know, we don't have anyone on our team that is of color. So like, I don't know the janitor that you have apparently coming around to like sweep up after people. Like you never thought it was a good idea to test it. So I I don't necessarily think that the problem is always like, you know, that we're not being culturally sensitive is that like the thought isn't even happening in those spaces. And it is not and it doesn't have a direct effect on those groups. So it doesn't happen in general.
1: I think at the end of the day, it's all about inclusivity and getting people on your team and not only educating your team, but educating AI. And when you get called out on something, you need to own it, educate yourself and fix it just like Lizzo does. So why don't you tell us about motion? You talked about it at the beginning. Tell me about motion.
0: Oh, so I've only been using motion for like a week. I legit just got through like the free trial. But motion is an application uh, that uses, and you can correct me if I'm wrong because you put me on a motion too. I do not do AI by myself It's always, Jessica. Um, It seems to be an application that allows, uh, it it allows AI to like manage your schedule for you. So it allows you to like prioritize meeting or add in tasks and it tells you when the best time to like do specific things are. Um, I will say I'm not too deep in the weeds on motion at this particular point. I'm going to give myself a month to get really acclimated and familiar with the application and the process. I already have some quorums with it, but um, I'm willing to give it a try. I think that it will help me to take the 5,000 things that I have going on in my head and with my daughter and my husband and my family and the job and work and da-da-da-da-da, uh, and put it all in one place and have some consensus about like how my day is gonna run, which I certainly need. Um, so I'm interested in continuing to give it a try. But at this particular junction, I have not used it as much as I normally do. Um, but I will say the reason I got Motion is because I have seven different Gmail calendars that I look at every single day and like coordinate around. So. Uh, I'm hoping that this application can help me to better schedule and manage the things that I kind of have going on. Yeah,
1: I was just going to ask you, um, is it kind of like an executive personal assistant? And I just Googled it, and that's exactly the keyword, is Motion, AI executive assistant, an all-in-one productivity app. So that might be worth investigating. I I mean, I only have like three calendars, so I
0: don't have the, the same issues as you, but have a problem is what I have I you know I just I got ladies wine and design and like jobs and clients and like project deadlines and babies and doctor's appointments and husbands and other appointments and like date nights and mothers and fathers it's just it's a lot I got a lot of stuff going on so I thought that this would be an effective tool at helping me manage the multitude of things that I have going on in my life. But I don't know if I'm using the platform properly or if I've invested enough time in like sitting down and doing the due diligence at this point. But I'm going to get to it.
1: Yeah, it looks great. There's task management, project management, automated scheduling and planning, calendars, booking pages, one-click email assistant, and a mobile app, which is great because not all these AI actually have a mobile app yet. So I, I might have to explore this too. AI is just, it's one of those things, the cliche in an evolving world of marketing, it's always evolving and it's never gonna stop. So it'll be interesting to see where we go in the next couple months um, and what tools we'll be recommending then. All right, everyone, thank you so much for listening today. If you wanna check out any of the AI tools discussed, just check the links in the description of the episode and we will talk to you next week. Our producer, Evan Devorkin has a couple things to contribute to the conversation since he is a producer, photographer, videographer. So here he is.
0: One of my favorite prompts to ask ChatGPT is to have it ask me questions. So I would say ask me five questions to better understand my tone of voice. Um, and then after you respond to the questions, you would have it redo whatever the prompt was to get it closer to the tone of voice that you're looking for. Yeah, I've started to see like people uh, creating, uh, like how to guides, like how to best optimize chat cheap. I need them to just change change the name so that it's better for me. Um, I've, I've seen like people creating like manuals about like what prompts to ask it or what to tell it in order for it to, uh, to properly relay like tone and voice and to properly write content. There's a, a new feature that they just came out with. And it's like, tell ChatGPT how you always want them to understand you or how they, you always want them to write. And I think I put like UX or something. Yeah, I, I have a love-hate relationship with that uh, thing. Cause now every frame is like, you're a UX designer, so let me write this in the frame. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We talk about graphic design today, baby. We don't need to talk about UX. We talk about UX enough. Yeah, another prompt that I'll use on ChatGPT is um, have it act like something. So I'll say, act like you're a high-end restaurant owner in the Maryland area and generate responses from there. Mm, I got to do that. Hey there, design enthusiasts, and welcome to the backstage pass of the Design Imposter podcast. I'm Monique, and me and Jessica thought it would be great to have you guys listen to some of the bloopers that we have had as we have been filming. These you will be able to find at the end of every single episode of the Design Imposter podcast. So stay tuned and listen up. ChatGDP, Chat G let Gonna start that over. <laughs> I P is in my soul, but B is what it is. <laughs> or P is what is it is, but B is in my soul. I don't know why. Sounds better. Change the name. I would say my top three AIs right now are Chat. Jack... <laughs> <Damn it.
1: laughs> Back when. It first got out, and I was always calling it Chat GBT, uh, but it's Chat G B No, Chat GPT. Uh. As we wrap up our captivating journey on today's episode of Design Imposter, we want to leave you with an empowering message.
0: Self doubt may be a universal experience, but it should never define your worth or potential.
1: Embrace the power of your unique voice. Trust in your intuition and abilities and continue creating fearlessly. Remember,
0: you belong in this space and your contributions are immensely valuable.
1: Know that you are never alone on this journey. We stand by your side, ready to support and celebrate you and your business every step of the way. Thank you for joining us today and being an essential part of the Design Imposter community. Don't forget to subscribe. Follow us at Design Imposter Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and leave a review to help other imposters Find us. Until we meet again, keep those headphones ready.